Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is a recession? What impact does it have on the economy? And what steps can be taken to prevent a recession from happening in the future? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. So recently, I read that more Americans are Googling the word recession than at any time since 2004. It makes sense. That's a word that's being thrown around a lot these days. Some are saying that we're already in one. Others argue that a crisis is imminent. And a few are saying that we just won't see one at all. But things definitely aren't looking great. You see it in the inflation numbers. It's the highest it's been in more than 40 years. People are struggling to buy gas, food, pay for rent. But a recession is a whole different ballgame. The 2008 financial crisis comes to mind for sure. But there's a lot to unpack when the economy is flirting with an issue that is so drastic. So what causes a recession? What's the difference between a recession and a depression? And how can financial crises be weathered or even prevented? Well, here to talk me through all of this and more is the Senior Policy Director for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, Mark Goldwine. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is such an important topic and something that Americans are increasingly wanting to know more about just because they're looking at these numbers, they're looking at inflation, and they're getting worried. So let's just start with what is a recession? Sure. So a recession is basically an extended period where the economy is shrinking. Um, There's no one definition. You sometimes hear these rules of thumb like, two quarters, consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. But um, it's actually based on a whole host of variables from the size of the economy to employment to sales. Um, And there's these folks called the Business Cycle Dating Committee, and they they watch the economy and they determine when we're in a period of recession. Okay, so how do you determine? You're saying there's no really a rule of thumb. How do you determine when something is a recession? Yeah. So there is that rule of thumb, that two quarters of uh, in a row of negative economic growth, but it's just a rule of thumb. It's neither mm. necessary nor sufficient. The Business Cycle Dating Committee is is a small group of economists, some of the top economists in the country um, at what's called MBER, um, the National Bureau of Economic Research. And they're basically watching everything. They're watching jobs numbers. They're watching GDP, gross domestic products. They're watching GDI, gross domestic income. They're watching retail sales, they're watching consumer confidence, basically all the things that tell you how the economy is performing. Now, one thing they're not watching for recessions is inflation. Inflation is sort of the the other side of the equation of the economy. What they're looking at is what's happening to the, we call it the real economy, what's happening to the actual amount of stuff that people are buying, that people are producing. And 
they look at all of these variables and and they just say at some point, aha, the economy is in recession. And sometimes they don't know that until we've already been in a recession for a while. Sometimes they don't know it until we're already on the other side. Okay, so I have a question. So you say that they're not really looking at inflation because they're looking at what you call the, the real economy. But that's the amount of stuff people are buying and producing, but aren't people buying and producing less, at, less as the prices are jacked up because of inflation? That's a great question. So when there's inflation, it basically means the price of everything is going up. And if literally the price of everything goes up together at the same rate, you actually you have a problem, but you don't have the kind of problem you're thinking about where spending power is eroding because one of those prices is wages, right? And so if all prices go up and wages go up by the same amount, people are going to be roughly the same off, at least on average. The problem with the current inflation that we're facing is that while some of it is pushing up wages, some of it is actually eating in to economic growth. Some of it, as you described, isn't just increasing cost of living for um, somebody between pay increases, it's increasing cost of living for everyone. And in that case, the the inflation actually is eroding the real economy and could indirectly um, contribute, could be a factor in what ultimately leads us to a recession. Mm, I see. So when prices go up and wages go up at the same rate, you're not at risk as much for a recession, looking at just that one variable. But when prices outpace wages, that's when you're at risk for a recession. Is that what you're saying? Uh, That is what I'm saying. But I think usually the bigger risk with inflation isn't that it's going to erode wages per se. It's that it's going to cause the Federal Reserve to react to try to fight inflation by raising interest rates. And when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, that can actually cause the whole economy to, to shrink, not just buying power to erode, but the whole economy to shrink. And that's one of the ways that we often get recessions. Okay, can you dive into that a little bit more for me? Because, you know, we often hear about the Federal Reserve when it comes to inflation, just for the reasons that you explained. But can you just uh, dive a little deeper into what exactly the Federal Reserve does in their role in fighting inflation? Yeah, so the Federal Reserve normally has two jobs. Their number one job is maximum employment, meaning they want to keep unemployment as low as possible. And their number two job is price stability, meaning they want to keep inflation as low as possible. The problem is normally those goals are in conflict. When the Federal Reserve cuts interest rates, which is its main tool, that's both going to improve employment, which is good, and increase inflation, which is bad. When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it's the reverse. Higher interest rates tend to mean lower inflation, but also higher unemployment. And so the Federal Reserve is constantly tinkering with the economy, trying to figure out which of its two problems is is more in concern right now. Is the problem right now that inflation is too high or that employment is too low? Right now, clearly the problem is that inflation is too high. And so the Federal Reserve is focused on raising interest rates to fight inflation. But those same interest rate increases that fight inflation also weaken the overall economy. They result in higher levels of unemployment. They result in uh, lower stock market values, lower housing values, all sorts of things like that. And so while they are hoping to avoid it, these interest rate increases may very well cause a recession. Mm. And Mark, I mean, there have been people agreeing, disagreeing on this whole idea that we are headed into a recession or that we already are showing signs of being in a recession. Just from your expert opinion, what is going on right now with our current economy? 
Yeah. So right now we have an economy that is that is very strong, but not in a very strong position. So our unemployment rate, for example, is about three and a half percent. That's about as good as it's been over the last 50 years. Doing very well. Household income is strong. People have a lot of extra savings. Businesses are doing well. And so the economy looks strong, but the outlook isn't very good. The outlook is high inflation is eating at people's income. Wealth is declining because housing values are going to start going down, but more, but stock values already have. And the Federal Reserve, as it's reacting to all these things, is going to put the economy in a tough spot. And so I think it's unlikely that we're in a recession now, but we have sort of hit a peak, sort of a, you know, we were growing really fast as we were recovering. And now we're seeing that growth kind of come to a halt. And we may very well in the next couple of years, see that halt turn into a turn into a decline. So while I don't think we're in a recession now, a year from now, we could very well be in one. Okay. Um, so then you, you talk about the Federal Reserve, and then we obviously hear President Biden talking about prices and things like that. How can Congress and the president help the Federal Reserve to control inflation? That's a great question. So the Federal Reserve is in charge of controlling inflation. But when inflation is this high, it needs all the help it can get. Uh, the, the Federal Reserve is trying to navigate what's called a soft landing, which means get inflation under control without causing a recession. They're doing that with three out of four engines out and Congress basically throwing tennis balls at the windshield. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every time we enact more deficit increasing policies, whether it's supporting restaurants or supporting veterans or student debt cancellation or gas tax holiday, some of these things sound really good and are really good. Anytime we enact those, we're actually making the Fed's job harder and boosting the inflation rate. And so the first thing Washington needs to do, Congress and the president, is stop making the situation worse. Stop enacting more deficit-increasing policies. Put an end to the remaining COVID relief that's still ongoing, like the pause of student debt repayment, ongoing payments to states. And then after that, there are things they can actually do, both to temper demand and to boost supply. Uh, For example, the federal government is a key buyer of healthcare through Medicare program, through the Medicaid program. We control those prices pretty strongly already. Uh, reforms to Medicare that lower Medicare prices can reverberate through the rest of inflation, help fight it. As another example, uh, policies that limit the growth of spending, um, limit the growth of defense and non-defense discretionary spending, or policies that raise revenue through higher taxes can also temper demand. And then lastly, we can help boost supply. Um, There's things we can do to clear up supply chains, to make trade uh, go a little more smoothly, to allow more energy production. And while these things aren't going to stop inflation on their own. They can help a little bit inflation at the same time that they help a little bit with the real economic growth. And so they can, on both ends of the sort of both sides of the coin, reduce the likelihood of a recession. All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. You know, recently President Biden called for a gas tax holiday. What would that mean for the economy and for inflation and, and a possible recession in the future? It's a great question. A gas tax holiday is one of those gimmicks that's going to make inflation look lower, a little bit lower, by the way. We estimate 0.1%, so not that much out of an 8.5% inflation. But it's going to make inflation look lower, 
but it's actually going to cause underlying inflation to get higher. The reason is that when you go to the pump, you pay the after-tax price. And so the price you see at the pump is going to go down a little bit. But supply is pretty much saturated um, you know, on the front end. And so what we're going to see is that when the price of gasoline goes down, people are going to want to buy more of it. People are going to want to buy more of other stuff. And that's going to actually increase underlying inflationary pressures. So gas tax holiday is going to look like it's helping. It's actually going to make the situation worse. Mm. And maybe worst of all, when the holiday ends, the prices are going to go right back up and you have the worst underlying inflation. So it's going to, uh, you know, four months from now, we will be much worse off than if we didn't have the holiday in the first place. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, it's looking at, you know, kind of weighing the the immediate relief that you would get as opposed to something that can trickle down and, and cause issues in the future. Um, and that's something obviously that is important to voters. So I guess, and in, in, uh, I have another question about just, you know, let's say the Federal Reserve does trigger a recession in the next, let's say two years. How could that impact the upcoming election in 2024? <laughs> I, I'm not going to weigh in on elections. I'm a policy guy, not a political guy. But here's what I will say. Uh, this administration, and frankly, the past one, has tried these policies that they think are bad policies, but good politics, like send everybody $2,000 checks. Mm. And it turns out that when they're bad for the economy, they're also bad politics. So without weighing on the specifics of the election, I'll just say our history of doing things that you think the voters are going to like um, doesn't actually result in the voters liking them if they result in a weaker economy. So the best thing I think policymakers can do is focus on getting inflation under control and try to do it in a way that has the least likelihood of causing a recession. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there's that common saying that you can, you know, you can learn from the past so that you can not run into the same problem in the future. Can you just talk to me about the last time we had a major recession? What was it, 2007 to 2009, if I'm getting that right? Um, what happened during that time period? And then how did we get back on track? Sure. Well, actually, our last recession was a lot more recent than that. We had a recession, um, you know, a couple of years ago when the COVID pandemic began. This was a very unusual recession because it wasn't demand created. It was created by a pandemic and we got out of it pretty fast. But that recession, part of the reason we got out fast is because it was a different kind of recession. But part was because we enacted a lot of fiscal and monetary stimulus. Um, we basically spent, the federal government spent over $5 trillion to support the economic recovery. The Federal Reserve reduced interest rates to zero, started buying all these bonds. That definitely got us out of the recession faster, but also led to a lot of this inflation. I don't think we'll be able to use that same playbook again, because if we're back in recession this time, I, d I doubt we're going to be at very low inflation. Inflation may be a lot lower than it is now, but I don't think inflation is going to be low enough that policymakers feel comfortable putting trillions more into the economy. And so we got to kind of throw out the old playbook and come up with, an, with a new one. Um, the economy, if we're in a deep recession, may need some demand support, may actually need some fiscal stimulus, but we're going to have to balance that against the risk that that stimulus is going to aggravate inflation that may still be not under control. Mm. And then what when you when people talk about like the Great Depression, um, what's the difference between a depression and a recession? Yeah. So the way I tell my students is um, the a recession has no definition. It's just when the Business Cycle Dating Committee says it's a recession. A depression really has no definition because there's no committee out there that wants to be responsible for saying something is a depression. Mm -hmm. So a depression is basically just a really, 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 really deep recession. Um, some rules of thumb um, that have been suggested 
is a recession that where the economy shrinks by more than 10%. By the way, we just about hit that in the COVID recession. Um, another definition is one that lasts for more than two years, as opposed to two months. But, but you know, it's sort of a you know it when you see it type thing. Um, and hopefully, um, we're never going to experience a, a depression in our lifetimes. Certainly, I don't think there's any depression risk on the near horizon. The fundamentals of the economy are very strong. And the likelihood we'd fall into something like a, a deep, deep depression um, are close to nil. Uh, that's good news, at least, Mark. <laughs> it's easy to yeah. get caught in these things. And you're like, oh, man, so things are looking so bad. People can't pay for their gas. They can't pay for their heat. And then, you know, we're headed towards a recession. And, you know, if, if let's hope that we don't eventually see a depression during our lifetime. I agree with you. That would be great, right? Um, yeah, look, things, things are bad in the sense that inflation is out of control. Um, people are really feeling that kind of pain. And we may very well be in a recession you know, this time next year, this time in two years. But things are also quite good in the sense that unemployment is really, again, the lowest it's been in 50 years. Household balance sheets are really strong. People have money in their bank accounts. Um, they, If you have a mortgage, your interest rate is, is very low. Businesses are doing well. So we don't want to forget about the, the, the good news in the economy, even as we should be worried about the bad news. Right. Well, you know, uh, inflation has been really rampant. I mean, that's why people keep talking about it. It's grown by, I believe, 8.6% year on year in May. Um, that's the fastest in 41 years. And I'm sure those numbers have even changed even more just in the last few weeks. But uh, how do you then, I mean, I'm not asking to solve the world's problems, but what needs to happen for Americans to be able to start paying more affordable prices? Yeah, so prices are never, overall prices are not going to go down. Some prices may go down, for example, for used cars, for gasoline, but overall prices are not going to go down. The goal is to make it so that they stop rising so quickly, right? So in a normal year, we have two or two and a half percent inflation. Um, we probably don't want to get two and a half percent inflation like in the next six months because um, that would mean a really hard stop on the economy and it means people wouldn't get good pay increases. But we do want to get to two and a half percent inflation to two percent inflation within the next couple of years. And part of what has to happen there is we need to get demand under control. People need to reduce their buying. And that's why there's this there's this recession risk because when people buy less, there could be a recession. The other thing that needs to happen is we need to kind of get the economy back to normal on the supply side, right? We need to um, figure out either, either the war between Russia and Ukraine needs to end. You know, Russia needs to um, kind of back down, or we need to find other ways to get our oil. Um, we need to find new ways to navigate COVID because this the pandemic's getting a lot better, but it's not going away. Uh, we need to change our rules around trade. So there's things we can do to boost supply. Those are going to take time. We need to get older workers, marginalized workers back into the workforce. But fundamentally, what has to happen is demand has to temper. And the the thing, the, the troubling thing about that is when demand tempers, that's when your economy slows. And so we're in this impossible position where the only way to get prices fully under control is to accept some near-term pain to the to the rest of the economy. Mm-hmm. So what would that mean then? The best case scenario is people have a couple of years where their wage increases are smaller than their price increases and job growth is pretty stagnant. That's the best case scenario. Um, the medium case scenario is that the unemployment rate goes up a bit from three and a half percent to four or four and a half percent. The bad case scenario is that the only way to get out of this is to get into a recession. 
And the really bad case scenario is we're in a recession. And despite that, inflation is still very high. Mm. And that's sort of, that's the real danger is if we um, fight inflation enough to get in a recession, but not enough to get the inflation under control. Yeah, that's that would not be good. And, and you know, Americans, again, because of the pandemic and just over over time and these high prices, I mean, they're really struggling. So I guess um, from you and from from your point of view, what would you tell people? Let's say we do go into a recession. What would you tell people to do? I mean, what's what's a, a playbook yeah. that they can go off of just to survive? Great question. OK, so there's this thing called the paradox of thrift that economists usually worry about because usually um, when a recession is coming, people save more to prepare, and that actually causes the recession to be more likely to happen. Oh, wow. Uh, but in this case, the paradox of thrift may actually help us because if people start saving more now in preparation of the recession, they may actually help to get inflation under control without having to rely on sort of the Federal Reserve to force people's hands. Um, and so I would recommend, you know, save as if things are not going to be as great as they are now. Start saving more, even though a lot of households have very strong bank accounts, have low credit card balances, start saving. Um, start saving for retirement, start saving for short-term emergencies, stop buying so much furniture. I don't know why, people are buying tons of furniture. <laughs> um, you know, if you can delay buying a car for a bit longer, um, do so, uh, because that less spending is gonna be both helpful in preparing you for recession and also is going to temper some of these inflationary pressures. Okay, sorry, we were just going, so why is this different then? Will you just expand on that? Why is this different? Usually the paradox of thrift is harmful and, and could trigger more of a recession, but why is yeah. this different? The difference here is we actually want people to spend less right now. Normally, um, when a recession is coming, we want people to keep spending to hold the economy up, but now we actually need people to spend less to get the inflation down. And if people spend less voluntarily, that's out of their excess savings. That's way better than if people spend less because the Federal Reserve is making them poorer, right? When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it makes everyone poorer because it reduces the value of your home. It reduces the value of your retirement portfolio. It makes it harder for you to buy a house. Much better for people to voluntarily spend less, put that money into savings, and then have it for later. And just that act of voluntarily spending less will mean there's less demand in the economy, and that less demand means less inflation. Ah, but doesn't inflation usually come with a recession or no? No, not. Or not does it usually trigger, help trigger? That's I, I asked that question wrong. Usually when a recession follows inflation, it's because the inflation caused the Federal Reserve to fight the inflation and that and in doing so ah. caused the recession. Right. So it's usually the Federal Reserve fighting inflation that causes the recession. So if we can all fight inflation a little bit on our own by saving more, we can reduce the number of weapons or the strength of the weapons the Federal Reserve has to use. And in doing so, we can reduce the likelihood of the recession or the depth of that reception. That recession. makes Yes, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So then, you know, just just to be clear, then what do you think is the most important thing people should know about a recession or an upcoming recession, whether it's in the definition of their understanding yeah. of it or, you know, of what they can do to prepare, which you kind of just went in well, to. Yeah. I mean, I think you should understand that inflation and recessions are not the same thing. In fact, they're kind of the opposite. Um, but it doesn't mean that one can't cause the other. I also think you should know as a political matter that the things that the politicians are promising you that sound good 
are often the very things that are going to make the whole situation mm. worse. A gas tax holiday, not having to pay back your student loans, tax cuts, um, new rebate checks, all those things sound awesome. And look, I'd love to have all of them. <laughs> yeah. um, but those are the very things that are causing the inflation to, to get even hotter. And that's going to increase the likelihood that we end up in a recession in, in the coming weeks, excuse me, in the coming months and years. What do you think is the most common thing people do wrong during a recession? Uh, well, so I don't want to get too much into financial advice, but I think the most common thing people do wrong is cash out their retirement or sell their stocks when the stock market is at the bottom mm. um, rather than when it's at the top. If you are saving for your retirement in some kind of portfolio, especially if you're not near retirement, even if you are, just keep contributing. Don't make any changes. Don't worry about the fluctuation month over month, year year over year. Um, if you keep contributing, you're can, if you can afford to keep contributing, you're contributing when stocks are low as well as when they are high. Um, if you try to cash out now when everything is low, you're, you're potentially going to lose out on a lot. And disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not a <laughs> So, uh, so don't sue me for any of that. Well, advice. Mark, it, it sounds like you have some good advice. So, you know, I, I, I don't think people are going wrong if they, if they do follow that advice. So, just to wrap things up, Mark, what would you tell someone like me, who's just a regular old Joe, in terms of you know a recession and how I can kind of control my own self during this time and what I can do for my family? Yeah, look. The best thing you can do, there's no need to overreact, but the best thing you can do is prepare yourself um, for whatever kind of economic turmoil you face, whether that's going to be a recession, whether your house may flood or you may be in a car accident or a medical issue. And that means saving when you can save. It means not making frivolous purchases if, you, if that's going to really dip into your savings. It means making sure that, you know, you're you're working hard at your job. So your, your employment is less likely to be in, in danger. Although you can't always control that, particularly if it's a recession where there's a lot of layoffs. So do what you can to keep yourself secure. This is good advice in preparation for a recession, but also, um, you know, the many things that life may throw at you. Mm, absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on with me. That was very helpful and informative and we'll have to have you back. I appreciate it. Would love to come back sometime. Thanks so much for having me. Right. If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about an economic recession. Number one, Mark says the Federal Reserve is constantly tinkering with the economy. So to combat inflation, it'll raise interest rates. The Fed normally has two jobs, maximum employment and price stability. And normally those goals are in conflict. Number two. Economists talk about this concept called the paradox of thrift. Usually when a recession is coming, people start saving, which actually triggers a higher likelihood of a recession. But this time around, Mark says paradox of thrift might actually be a good thing, which leads me to number three. Mark says we want people to spend less now to get the inflation down. If people spend more, the inflation will increase. And when the Fed raises interest rates, it makes everyone poorer. So Mark suggests to, quote, save as if things are not going to be as great as they are now. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on what is a recession. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. 
And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.